0: Or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show.
1: I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Marin? I'm like, yeah, and she goes, what
0: happened to you? Hey, you're listening to Recover Girl. I'm your host, Anna David. It's a podcast about addiction, recovery, creativity, many, many things. Um, If you want to find this podcast, I don't know what your problem is because you're already listening. It's fun. It's fun to call an audience not smart. You're really smart. You found this podcast. It's on iTunes. It's also on SoundCloud and Stitcher. And uh, you can find out more about this person talking if you want to go to annadavid.com. And you can see more about this podcast by going to recovergirlpod.com. I've got about... 360,000 sites. So I'm going to also tell you that if you are interested in becoming a writer and finding out about my coaching program for writers, where one of 10 students gets a meeting with an agent and a a publisher, go to annadavidcoaching.com and sign up. Now, if you were a regular listener to this podcast, you know that for years now, I have been interviewing people in recovery about their recovery. Now, I've started releasing extra special things because I was just releasing those every two weeks, and that's a really long time to go, wouldn't you say? So, what I'm now doing in last, uh, well, I don't know the order that I'm doing it in, but you've been hearing these before. What I'm doing is I'm taking snippets. From my storytelling show. I've got a storytelling show here in Los Angeles where people tell stories about addiction recovery, boozing, and whatnot. And I am, they've been recorded because they were on Facebook Live. That show is called Hammered Time. If you like my Facebook page, which is just Anna. David, then you will see them because we put them on Facebook Live when we go live. But anyway, I took the video, made it into audio. Now I've had it all broken up. And so I am releasing these. So what you get is this lovely intro along with one of the stories from that show, one of my storytellers telling one of their stories. The reason I'm doing this is that I have learned about the therapeutic value of storytelling. That's why I now do something called therapeutic performing. And I've been going into treatment centers in different places and um, showing, sorry, I just got a text, got distracted, bright, shiny object, uh, showing the people there how to write essays, perform them, and then we do a killer we don't call it that, but we do a performance. And it's really beautiful to watch these people who are taking their darkest stories and making them into hilarious or at least touching stories. Anyway, if you want to know more about that, go to anna.david.com workshops. Now I'm going to introduce the performer in this very episode. She's one of my favorite people on earth. We worked together for three years at the site I started, After Party Magazine. She's now running that site. She is, hails from Mobile, Alabama. So she's got a little bit of an accent. She's a comedian, a writer, an actress. She has been, um, she tours all over. She's been at a bunch of the comedy festivals, Bridgetown women in comedy, and she wrote for an Emmy-nominated show that has James Franco in it. Her name is Mary Patterson Broom. Her website is Upper Middle Class Angst. And here she is telling a story at a recent hammer time. Any other bulimics out there? All right, just me. Wow, fuck off. Okay. Um, I'm going to bring up a very funny, funny uh, stand-up. She's the senior editor of After Party Magazine, um, and she's also a writer for Women's Health. Mary Patterson Broom, everybody. Keep
1: it going for, oh God, okay. (laughs) Who saw? Uh, who saw? <laughs> Keep it going for Stephanie Wilder-Taylor, everybody! Sorry, I'm dressed like a British school mom. I just, Nothing fits. Cadbury mini eggs are on the shelves. I'm doomed. I'm doomed till Easter. The name of this performance piece is, Trust Me, I Had to Quit Drinking. So I was catching up with an old friend a few months ago and made a reference to sobriety and he interrupted me and was like, whoa, wait, you're still doing that no drinking thing? (laughs) And I was like, uh, yeah, it's kind of a permanent thing. To which he responded, well, so you're not going to drink again, like, ever? And I wanted to say, we prefer one day at a time. (laughs) But instead I sort of paused and searched for my words and was like well um you know forever is kind of a loaded word but yes for right now I hope I don't drink again ever and it's funny because since getting sober in 2014 I've had to feel this question a lot and it's always cloaked with lots of bewilderment and confusion from people who thought they knew me well So, you know, it's usually friends on the East Coast or from Alabama where I'm from that I haven't seen in a while that are very disappointed to hear the news. (laughs) Or it's just that people had this perception of me as being this type A straight-laced chick who's always polite, punctual, and on top of her shit. And for the most part, I am that, uh, until I start pounding vodka sodas. (laughs) And even when I kept up that persona, it doesn't change the fact that I wanted to die on a regular basis at the end of my drinking. What do these people want? They Do I have to fall into a wedding cake face-first naked? Like. <laughs> so when people kind of probe wondering why I gave up the world's most beloved social lubricant, I always start reluctantly rattling off excuses, you know? Like, oh, the shame, the blackouts, the sickness, the hangovers, the fuzzy conversations, uh, you know, the not feeling like I'm ever going to reach my potential, so on and so on. And it's, it's weird because as I'm rattling these things off to people, and they, they, I get done rattling them off and they kind of look at me like, and they still don't get it. And I just, it feels counterintuitive to have to share really personal information about myself to prove that I'm a lush who couldn't drink in moderation. <laughs> you know, it's like, I want to just be blunt and say, hey, Trust me, it wasn't good. If it was a choice, I definitely wouldn't choose to not drink alcohol. But it's not, it got really bad. But for some reason, that's never enough. These people are just insatiable. (laughs) It's pretty ridiculous. But what gets really weird is when I start to question, when they start to question me if I had a problem, I start to question if I had a problem. And that's when it gets sort of this dangerous line of thought, you know? And I start to go, wow, I mean, am I being dramatic? Do I really need to do this whole, I'm an alcoholic hoopla? (laughs) Like, surely now that I've gone this long without it, I've recalibrated and I've gotten to a place where I could take it or leave it, you know? I mean, gay people come out of the closet and then go right back in all the time, right? (laughs) Surely I don't have to do this sober thing like forever, forever, right? And that's where it gets shady, because I start negotiating with myself. I'm like, okay, I'll uh, I'll drink when I turn 65. I'll, I'll drink when I'm a successful comic writer. I'll drink when I'm diagnosed with an incurable disease. I mean, that's going to be really sad, right? <laughs> Who wouldn't drink that? I'll drink when my parents die, of course. That's the right time to drink. And that's where it gets shaky, you know? It's like, that's where I know, damn it, I'm not doing the spiritual work to seek happiness and peace within myself. <laughs> it's like a spirituality is going to the gym, I'm taking too many cheat days, and I'm out of shape. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am, thank you. And so whenever I get into this delusional line of thought where I think I can drink again, I go to my computer and I turn to this very trusty Microsoft Word document on my desktop entitled The Sober Project. And I started in 2013 and I basically chronicled all my attempts to abstain or control my drinking month after month. And at the end, I just have a bullet point list of all the reasons I ultimately quit for good. Most of them start with blacking out at, (laughs) vomiting at, hooking up with. (laughs) One of them's just labeled the insert dude's name fiasco of 2014. (laughs) And that's when I'm like, oh yeah, I made some bad choices while drinking. That's right. Of course, everybody has a different moral compass as to what constitutes a bad decision. I was catching up with another friend having to over-explain to yet another person why I quit when they didn't understand. I used to party with her a lot, and she was like, Oh, yeah, I remember you would feel guilty if you, like, kissed a guy. We'd have to convince you you weren't a bad person. (coughs) And I'm like, Oh, yeah, just because other people can laugh it off, and I would pretend to laugh it off. If I was operating at a level that was below my standards when I was intoxicated, that wasn't okay. (laughs) And I was telling another friend from college who came out to visit me, uh, You know she knows the full story and she was saying that I need to uh, give an explanation to our other friends that don't know the whole story and I started to rattle off my usual thing and I was like wait a second no I don't owe anybody anything at all like how they mourn the former party girl they could always count on to take another tequila shot or hook up at a wedding and give them something to laugh at on Sunday (laughs) that's on them Not that my friends are assholes. I'm sure they would come from a place more of concern than grief. But uh, clearly having to explain it to yet another person ruffled the old feathers for sure. I just know that uh, ultimately, like, the reason I quit was my own, and that's all that matters. And one of my favorite pieces of advice I ever got was you don't have to tell anybody anything, and that's sort of what I go by now. It doesn't matter that uh, no one ever intervened or said I had to go to rehab. The choice to quit was my own and I'm so, so grateful for it. Uh, I do wonder what would happen if my hard drive that I refuse to back up dies and I lose the Sober Project Word doc. I need to print that shit really soon. Thank you, I'm Mary Patterson Green.